raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. You're listening to the best of Kevin and Query on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. 8 o'clock hour underway in Indianapolis on a sun-splashed and perfectly gorgeous Tuesday morning. Jake Query along with Kevin Bowen. Mark Dykton here as well. Joining us now on the Payless Liggers Hotline, a guy who is a starter of nine Indianapolis 500-mile races. He actually started at the pole position in the 100th running of the greatest spectacle in racing, and now, of course, a popular commentator and analyst for NBC. James Hinchcliffe joins us. Hinch, I'll ask you this right out of the box. In the last... I, I started, obviously, hearing this late last night before I went to bed. In the last 20 minutes or so, I would say smoke has turned to fire that, in fact, Graham Rahal at 10 o'clock will be announced as Steph Wilson's replacement. Um, have not heard that from Graham Rahal nor the team directly, but it appears as though things are pointing in that direction. Your thoughts? Uh, I mean, a crazy situation. I mean, first of all, you know, our thoughts are with Steph and uh, and for a speedy recovery. Such a, such a brutal situation to be in. Uh, I've been there. I get it. Um, but, look, in a lot of ways, it makes a lot of sense. In a lot of ways, I think it's it's a kind of shocking move. You know, when you look at the fact that for someone to jump in the race now, they would need to do ROP. Where do we fit that in? Who's got the time? Obviously, for him and his team and his sponsors will be motivated to find a, a way into the race if there's an option out there. So I totally get why those conversations happen. I think everyone's probably a little surprised about the Honda-Chevy relationship conflict there. But, hey, if, if that can happen, then uh, it would be great to still have a Ray Hall in the race. Um, so, you know, we'll see. James, could you kind of, I don't know how often you have ever like, oh, I'm going to hop in a, a, another car. I mean, sometimes I think you hop into another teammate's car potentially and try to figure something out that maybe you're feeling in your car and your teammate isn't necessarily feeling in his or her car. Like, how foreign would that be for Graham Rahal to go with the car that he's been with, you know, all year long for X amount of years to go into a different engine, a different team, a one off uh, here during the middle of the week? And like you said, with very little practice time between now and Sunday. Yeah, I mean, getting two hours to figure it out, really, that, that's all that we get on carb day. So it's it's a big ask. There's no doubt about it. I mean, every team has their own setup philosophy. And um, sometimes, you know, look, there's only so so many ways to go faster on the speedway. So there's a there's a outside chance that the setup philosophy at Dry Run Bull Racing isn't massively different to what they've got at RLL. Uh, certainly getting to know the team, the players there, uh, procedurally, some of the stuff with Chevrolet versus Honda will be a lot different. Uh, but look, Graham's a professional, and at the end of the day, it's a race car. You just got to get in and, and figure out how to make it go fast. And I would assume, James, that you know having Ryan Hunter Ray there probably helps as well, right? Because you've got somebody at least that has the same level of experience of Graham that could be able to say like, "Hey, so here's here's what these guys like, or here's how they have it set up." I mean that that would have to be beneficial, would it not? Oh, no doubt. No doubt. I mean, it's a, it's a very different situation than if it had been, you know, a rookie in the other car, certainly. And, uh, you know, Graham and, and Ryan have known each other for a long time. Graham can obviously have complete trust in, in what Ryan is doing there and, uh, and the feedback that he's giving. So in, in a lot of ways, you know, that's, that's going to make a difficult situation a little bit easier for Graham, for sure. You know, I did, and we will move on to talking about the race itself, James, I promise. But I, I did, when this 
came about and agree totally with your first point, Hench, because I think for those that don't know, and I think most people that follow racing know this, there are a few people that are more deserving to be in this race than Stefan Wilson. I mean, that that entry, that speed that he found, that sponsor, that relationship is 1,000% based and rooted upon Stefan Wilson's integrity, Stefan Wilson's tenacity, Stefan Wilson's motivation, and everything about him. And he's one of those guys that you meet him and instantly you go, that guy's like the nicest human on the planet, aside from maybe his brother who was equally as nice, right? So it is gut-wrenching that he is not in the race, and I want to make that abundantly clear. Yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of funny. I mean, you know, that, that deal was two years in the making. You know, he, he was trying to put together a program for last year, the, the right pieces didn't fall in place. He kept at it. Tom Cusick and, and him and Anders Crohn's involved in that program. They, they got this package together and, uh, and got in a great car with a great team and put it in the show on the first day. And when I text Steph yesterday, it's funny, I didn't open with, hey, hope you're feeling okay, like hope it doesn't hurt too much. It was, hey, man, I'm so gutted you're not in the race. I know how hard you work to get there and how much you deserve to be there. And then eventually got to hope you're not in too much pain. The doctors will take care of you or whatever. Cause the pain will heal from the injuries, but you know, the, the pain of missing the race uh, under circumstances like this, that's going to be, that's going to be harder. So James, if, and again, I, I, I do believe that Graham Rahal is going to be in that car. I, I don't I don't know that 100%, but but all signs seem to point to the fact that Graham Rahal is going to be in the race now. Now, if you had to guess, would you say that would be because, as somebody who's kind of been in the business side of things, because there has been some sort of a negotiation to that Honda would allow Graham to race a Chevrolet, or would the team itself pull that entry and then allow the 15 Honda Chevrolet of Rahal Letterman Lanigan racing in as an alternate. You know what? That's a really difficult, that's a really difficult situation to assess because, you know, normally you would say the, the wheeling and dealing goes on behind the scenes to just get Graham in the car for the sake of him and his partners. I'm sure there were already conversations happening up and down pit lane about how they could get some of their partners onto entries that were in the show. What's unique about this situation is Ryan Hunter, Ray, Ryan Hunter Race Car has been running sponsor-free so far throughout the month. Now, I don't know if there were plans to have a sponsor or once they, once they made the race if there was an announcement coming, but you have the opportunity very uniquely at this team of moving all of Steph's partners over to the 23 and then essentially allowing the 24 to be you know, whatever, whatever it wants, United, United rentals or, you know, whatever. So it's a bit of a unique situation. I'm not sure which way it's gone in this case, but, uh, I I believe that the team's still going to want to enter their car and it's not going to be the 24 pulling out to let the 15 in. I think it's genuinely going to be Graham getting into the 24. It's James Hinchcliffe does an outstanding job on the NBC broadcast alongside Lee Diffie and Townsend Bell. He's with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. James, if you look at the last, really, six or seven Indy 500s, the winner has come primarily from the first two rows, a little bit into row three, but mainly from the first two rows. So if I ask the question, how far is too far back for guys starting on Sunday, do you stop at row three? Do you stop at row two? I mean, you go back to row 11. It's, uh, it's the Indy 500. You just don't know. Um, Even though we haven't seen that trend lately? For sure. I mean, whoever's got the, uh, whoever's got 
themselves in the first two rows definitely puts themselves in a better better position. But, you know, you look back to 2016, Rossi wins from 11th. Well, he didn't drive his way up from 11th. It was an alternate strategy, right? So all you need is one car to be running by lap 150 somewhere in the top 12-ish and a strategy call to be made that can put them in that position. So it really is, it really is open. Yes, passing is tough. We've seen that. Uh, so definitely starting up there, it's an advantage. Your odds are way better, but you can't count anybody out. James, you have started. James Hinchcliffe is our guest on the Payless Sigurds Hotline. You've started inside, if I'm not mistaken, each of the front three rows at different intervals you have started in this race. When you are starting in the front three, I know when you're on pole, it's a little bit different because everybody theoretically is behind you. But is there discussion amongst drivers before the race I get it. Everybody wants to go, and it's a race, and you're a race car driver. But it's a 500-mile race. Is there ever discussion amongst drivers in the front row or two or three as to how to handle the start and like a gentlemanly agreement of we will go into the short shoot in the order in which we qualified? Or is that the dumbest, most ridiculous, optimistic thinking on my behalf of all time? Well, no, it's very intelligent thinking. It's just very far from what actually happens because you're trying to fit racing driver and gentleman in the same sentence. So ultimately, look, I think everybody, uh, So the short answer is uh, surprisingly little of that conversation happens. You know, usually the front row will have a meeting with the race director just to sort of get the race director's expectations on certain things. And then from that point, it's it's up to the pole sitter to, to dictate the pace and, and the starting point. But I think everybody at this level just acknowledges exactly what you said. It's a 500-mile race. You can't win it in the first turn, all those sort of cliches. Uh, everybody knows that. So, yeah, you're going to jockey for position on lap one. There's there's no, hey, let's just hold station until we get back to the flag and then go racing. In a in an era where it is difficult to pass, that is still one of the best chances to make up make up some spots. But it's certainly a lot less desperate if you're in the first three rows. You know, if you're starting back on row nine, you're going to be looking to throw it on the high line and try to pick up four, five, six spots on the start. If you're starting seventh, you're not looking to go from seventh to first in lap one. So I think there's different, there's varying degrees of of, uh, of people being, you know, opportunistic and, and taking advantage of situations depending on where you're starting. In four of your last five races, you went the distance, finished 500 miles. So picking any one of those or just on the average of those four over the course of a race over the course james hinscliffe of 200 laps how many different cars are you driving and that's a great question jake and, and it really honestly comes down i think a lot to the weather um you know if you have a day that sort of starts off cool and gets progressively hotter or you have a day that starts really windy and then get super calm for some reason uh the weather is what changes these cars more than anything around this place and so you know i can remember one year we had a car that was a rocket ship until the track temp hit 118 degrees and i could it got to the point where over the course of the race you know we would have cloud cover come and then disappear so the sun was out the sun was covered the track temp was sort of fluctuating a bit and i could literally get on the radio and say hey did we just hit 118 they say yeah we just hit it two laps ago because you could feel when it clocked over that 118 mark, we just started to lose the car. So that's how specific it can be. And whether you're riding 
third in line or 13th in line or 23rd in line has a huge effect as well. So let's say you start further back and you slowly make progress up the line, that car's going to change. Every kind of stop, every stint where you're moving the car, uh, it, it's going to be different. So you could be driving what feels like five different cars over the course of 500 miles. Give me two drivers, James, that when you look at this field, you're going to be curious how they do in the first, let's say, 20 laps or so because we'll go with two variations here. One of them being somebody that got the absolute most out of their car in qualifying and thus their starting position might be a little optimistic as to what kind of race car they have. And then another one that may be underperformed in qualifying setup, but they're going to have a darn good car on race day, but they're going to have more traffic than they anticipated at the start. All right. Well, first first category, I'd probably say Benjamin Peterson. Um, you know, obviously the Foyt team did an incredible job to get both their cars into the top 12. And, you know, Santino, he's been quick here every time he's come. Never finished outside the top 10, uh, but never qualified inside the top 15. So he's kind of in a unique position, and, and half his work's already done for him. But Peterson, you've got a rookie. He's up there with a lot of experienced guys, a lot of race winners, a lot of 500 winners. That's the one that's in a bit of a, an unknown territory. And then the other category, I'd probably say Scott McLaughlin. You know, the the Penske cars didn't quite get it done uh, on Saturday. It was kind of a shock to only have one in the top 12 on a, on a year where it looked like Chevy actually had the advantage in qualifying trim this year compared to Honda, who's had it the last few years. Uh, but I've watched that car in traffic. Um, you know, he's, he's getting better and better on the ovals, especially here. And uh, and I really think that, you know, that team is just so good strategically as well, right? If you have a, a decent race car, a smart driver, and a team that can make calls that slowly builds your track position as the race goes on, I think he could be a threat come the last 20. James, do you think you'll ever run another Indy 500? It's a, very, very possible. How soon? Well, I mean, I could, could be next year. You never know. Could it be this uh, year? I've, it, well, <laughs> there were some interesting phone calls in the last 24 hours. I'll say that. But I think that, uh, you know, I've always said I would I would do the 500 again, but I would only do it in a car that I thought had a genuine shot at winning. You know, I've, I've had conversations over the last couple of years with some teams. And, you know, when I went to bed at night, I thought, I just don't think we can win with that entry necessarily. And, you know, I, I just I don't need another starter ring to throw on the shelf. I, I want to come back and win this race. And so... Uh, if I come back, it's going to be with an effort that I really believe can get it done. Calls yeah, calls last night regarding this year's race. You were making them or you were receiving them? Receiving them. And did you? how far did you get into that conversation? Or does is it a car that you don't think is a situation you'd want to get into? Uh, well, I, I won't get I won't get too far into it. It was just it was some exploratory conversations. People just seeing what was out there, what was available. Let's put it that way. Would you want a full time ride, like a full season, or you would be content with the five hundred? No, I think I think I'm I'm good on the full season program. That's that's kind of what I stepped away from at the end of twenty one. Uh, but this you know this race is obviously special, and so if there was uh, an opportunity to do it next year or in the future, then I would absolutely consider it. Well, you do an outstanding job on NBC, so selfishly, <laughs> I guess I'm thinking to myself, <laughs> oh boy, as a as a viewer, I don't know if I want that. Um, last one from me, we had Graham Rahal on yesterday, and he mentioned that he talked with you, and he talked with Ryan hunter Ray and just some other people, I guess this would have been Sunday night, um, about maybe your experience specifically in, in getting bumped. If you don't mind, what were you sharing with Graham um, about the situation that you went through a handful of years ago? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's 
Graham's in a unique situation because he's also, uh, you know, his dad's been through it, so he's got someone there to talk to about it. And, you know, when I saw him Sunday night, I just said, look, man, there's there's no words of wisdom here. It sucks, and it hurts, and it's going to hurt. But, you know, ultimately, every day that goes by, it's going to hurt a little less. And a year from now, we'll be telling this story when you're, you know, lining up for your pole run in the Fast Six. So, it's uh, it's just it's just a phase, right? It's a terrible, awful, painful one. But you know, Graham's an experienced guy, and uh, he's got he's got a really good attitude about the whole thing. He had a great sort of perception on it, right from the perspective on it, rather right from the get go. So he didn't he didn't need any any coaching or help, but uh, just someone to say, you know, I know how you feel, and, and it's going to be okay. Who do you believe James will end up in that twenty four car? I don't know. I mean, it, it would have made a lot of sense to put, you know, one of the two guys that ran for them last year in it. And we know that Sage is sitting at home available. We know that Jared Hildebrand's in town. So that would have been my first guess. Um, I thought there was there was a lot of hurdles about trying to get Graham in the car. Uh, so so we'll see. We'll see how it all shakes out. I, I was surprised, quite frankly, James, in conclusion. I, I, I totally agree with you. I mean, my first thought was, well, J.R. Hildebrand is – not only is he a darn good race car driver, but he's been consistent for that team. He's on he's on campus, so to speak. He's taken the physical. That seemed like a no-brainer because of those hurdles. And I was surprised to learn that, in fact, they were getting out the tape measure to find out just how big those hurdles were. I didn't think it'd even go that far. Um, so that's what was intriguing to me. Yeah, it's, uh, it's motorsports, man. Welcome to the Indy 500. It's always got a surprise for you. James, I know this is last minute. Great stuff. Uh, looking forward to watching Sunday night. Um, I'll certainly be there, but looking forward to listening to you guys on Sunday night. You guys do tremendous work all season long, so thank you for that, and appreciate the time this morning. Yeah, of course, guys. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Thanks for having me on. All right, Ed Carpenter joins us now. 20th Indianapolis 500 for him. Uh, obviously, an owner with Renus VK and Connor Daly also in the field. And Jake, I think you've mentioned this before Ed is in a what would you describe him an occasional listener to the show well he wants more hockey coverage oh so I I think he tunes in to find out if we're talking hockey once we give the score sure he loves your Kraken takes yeah then he's off my understanding is also a big fan of Nelly so as soon as he's done listening to us gets the hockey score he puts in his Nelly CD oh wow Mm -hmm. uh Ed I am also a big I'm also a big Nelly fan so I'm glad we have that in common uh, I think Jake was accurate with part of his <laughs> was totally fictional with the back half. I don't have any Nelly downloads or 
CDs or anything. Oh, I thought... But I do listen. I do listen every morning, but I'm, like, in and out. I take my kids to school, so I listen then, and then I go from there to the gym, and then I usually get out of the gym, like, as you're doing your quiz. So... Well, if you ever want to call hear, in for the pop quiz... every day. Well, thank you for that. Occasionally I, occasionally, I do text Jake when he's talking about something, and I feel like he needs corrected. I just got honked at, by the way, in Carmel. Um, but yeah, everything's fine. But yeah, I, I listen to the show. Do you not yield at the roundabout? I'm also <laughs> picturing you with like a little Band-Aid underneath the eye, Nelly-like, as you walk out for driver intros coming up on Sunday. Uh that's definitely not me, but it is a funny thought. <laughs> Actually, if we were to grab your phone, I, I think now, like, I'm assuming you have an iPhone. I don't know. But, like, on most phones in the music part, it pl- it has, like, your 25 most played or whatever. What musical artist would be the one that, we'd, that we would immediately look at and go, okay, that's the one that he's playing the most? Uh, I honestly don't listen to much music. I do listen to talk radio more than anything else. Um, but it would be just like a country station on Apple Music. I'll tell you what. Can we get that in a promo? I know. I was going to say. It's beautiful. Yeah. Uh-huh. Hey, um, Ed Carpenter, let's begin with this. You know, your team, I mean, Renus VK is once again a super fast qualifier for you guys. Seemed like Connor maybe thought there was a little more speed that he left out there. Um you know, for you personally, your 20th Indianapolis 500, just overall, your thoughts on the cars that your team brings and then your thoughts on your starting position and where you are as well. Uh, yeah, I mean, to start with, I think the team's done a, a very good job this month. We've had a really, really good month of preparation, and, you know, that obviously goes into the off season. Um, you know, last year we had fast cars. We didn't exactly nail the, the downforce choice and balance perfect in the race to ultimately be able to compete with the Ganassi cars. Huge effort in the offseason to, to come back stronger, and I feel like we have. Um, you know, I didn't qualify as well as last year or Renus, uh, and that's the way it goes sometimes. Um, but I really wasn't that worried about it because I'm so happy with the car. Um Obviously, would have liked to have made it into the shootout and enjoyed in that fun instead of getting a sunburn on pit lane, trying to help Renus out. Um, but yeah, I feel feel very good, happy for Renus. It's oh so close to another pull for the team. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, I feel like we're really well prepared and have great race cars. Ed, putting the qualifying spots to the side for a second, I think you've kind of hinted at it even in that answer. It sounds like you feel a little bit more confident about where you guys are at from a race day car standpoint, whether it's Renus, Connor, or yourself. Yeah, I mean, we've. I think that's the thing that I'm most happy about is we've been very consistent um, with the car over, over the different days and different conditions that we've faced. So I, I feel prepared. I mean, ultimately, you still have to make the right choices for race day. And, you know, some of the usual suspects are still going to be, you know, the challengers and guys that you have to beat. But, you know, I, I did hear you talking earlier and the question you were going to ask me about why, you know, we qualify or appear to have better qualifying cars than race cars. And I don't I wouldn't totally agree with that. I think we've had great race cars. I've certainly had cars capable that I feel like are capable of winning. You know, last year we didn't nail it perfect, but Renus, Renus was up in the mix and strong. I was up for a while, and we kind of faded late. Um, so I feel like we do have good race cars. We just 
you know, 500 mile race is extremely hard, obviously. And, you know, it comes down to execution on that day. And I feel like that's the last little bit that we have to zero in on as a team. But I, I do feel like we have all the tools as a team and with, with Team Chevy as a partner to, to go out and get it done on Sunday with one of our three cars. And you can speak to this because you're a car owner. Um, we were talking, I don't know if you heard us talking about it, but it is now officially, we know for certain that Ryan Reinbold and Cusick Motorsports are going to announce at 10 o'clock their driver that is going to fill in for Stefan Wilson. And our, our thoughts certainly are with Stefan Wilson and his recovery. Great guy. Um, but they have now said definitively at 10 o'clock they are making that announcement. I, I've been told by a couple of people, but not anybody that's, you know, not Graham Rahal and not anybody with the team, but I've been told that they think it is going to be Graham Rahal. But you're a Chevrolet owner. You're a Chevrolet guy. Graham Rahal is a Honda team, a Honda guy. That car is a Chevrolet. How difficult would the contractual mess be of taking someone from a Honda team and putting them in a Chevrolet engine? Uh, I mean, certainly Chevrolet would have had to approve it, and Honda would have to approve it. You know, but I. Other than that, I don't think it's that big of a mess. You know, it's obviously there's things that they won't want Graham to know or see. You know, but at the same time, I think Jake, you know this the the racing community is tight. There's a lot of friends that cross, you know, the politics. There's people that work at, you know, Ilmore that, that helps build the Chevrolet engines used to build the Honda engines before HPD did it alone. So there's, there's friendly relationships across competitors. And, you know, I think that, I think Graham is, probably the best choice you know as much as i like jr and i'm friends with jr um you know especially the heartbreak that graham went through last weekend you know i think everybody feels that and you know i don't know that it's that hard to overcome and i and i think even from the the things that they wouldn't want him to know i think they can they can give him a vanilla enough version of the detail of what his options are for him to not understand and be able to take, you know, things back to Honda other than what he felt. Um, but, you know, we have drivers bounce between manufacturers each and every year. You know, Alex Rossi was a Honda guy forever, now in a Chevy car. Tony Kanaan was a Honda car last year, now now a Chevy car. It goes both ways. Um, so there's, there's information transfer and loss each and every year. So... I don't think they would worry about it as much as, you know, helping a team do the right thing and make the right choice for them. Do you think it'll be Graham? Um, I think so, yeah. I But I I was curious last night. I was talking to another competitor about it, and he was like, I don't know if Chevy will let it happen. And I'm like, I think they will. And then I heard you guys talking about it this morning, which was all my my best information comes from you, Jake. So. <laughs> well, wait a minute, boy. Oh, as scary as that is, I don't know if that ego is going to fit well, in his turn three seat. So, coming up so this on hold on. Now, now this is a good opportunity for me to you know because uh, um, I lack a lot of confidence. Ed. Um at least in sure. my racing knowledge, I mean I'm within I'm within par here, right? Like in terms of understanding what goes on at the speedway, am I at least like in the in the the ballpark of competent? Yeah, you you do your work, and you know you know enough people to to know the scoop. I mean, I do have to text you on air every now and then to correct a few things, but 
you know, you're, you're batting a, a pretty healthy average. <laughs> Ed Carpenter, who unfortunately is now stroking the ego of Jake Flurry here <laughs> on this Tuesday morning with us on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Ed, I want to stick to the Ray Hall situation from Sunday for just a second because I think you would provide some pretty good perspective on it. And I don't think, and feel free to correct me if I'm wrong, uh, I don't think you guys have ever had a car bumped. But from an ownership standpoint, like what would that mean? Like what does that mean to United Reynolds? What does that mean to... Graham's sponsor as a full-time driver, the fact that that car is now, you know, as of now, let's just say that it's not going to be in the 500 and it's not going to be on Stefan Wilson's car or adding to Catherine Lake's car, et cetera, et cetera. It's devastating. I mean, you know, the, the from a personal level, from a team level, the amount of effort and energy that, that goes into this race, devastating. Then you Then you throw in, you know, the commercial aspect of it. And, you know, that I think that really depends on the reaction of the partner. You know, I think in most cases, these partnerships, you know, they're built on, on strong relationships. And I think, you know, they feel the devastation with you. Um, but it is an interesting thing because, I, you know, the reality is getting, getting bumped as devastating as it is. And I remember this, you know, when Hinchcliffe got bumped and Ryan Hunter Ray got bumped he ultimately was still in the race but you know from a commercial standpoint it's awful to not be there but I also think there's probably data to back up they will end up still getting more coverage than some people in the race just because of the you know how huge the storyline is you know they're not going to be in the race but it's going to get talked about in the broadcast and I'm sure there's going to be some cutaways of, of that United Rentals car. So I think they still get some value out of it without even being in the race. You know, what they don't get is an opportunity to, to win the race and, you know, get that that imagery and exposure that lasts a lifetime. But it's, you know, it's really just devastating from, you know, the failure of, of not not being good enough that particular year. And, you know, it's my team can tell you, you know, as, as consistently quick as we've been here, you know, that's that's my worst nightmare each and every year until we get to the speedway and I know that we have decent speed and feel safe, you know, I don't really feel comfortable ever. Um, and even, even with the way the qualifying format is now, you know, you can have something happen any given time that, that could put you in jeopardy of that last row shootout. And, you know, it's 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 terrifying to even think about and that's why i think everyone everyone feels for for graham and and his team the way they do you know ed as, as somebody who owns ed carpenter's our guest on the payless Sugars hotline as an owner of a multi-car team you'd be a good person to ask this f- for for fans i mean myself included i've always kind of wondered this aside from obviously drivers liking things a little different if a if a car has if a team has three cars and all three are going out to qualify or four cars and all four are going out to qualify and they all have the same Delara chassis, they all have the same Honda or Chevrolet engine, other than the driver, what? why would there, Why would you not set all of them up to whichever one is the fastest setup and have them totally identical to one another? I mean, it, that's a tough one. Um, you know, I, in our case, we were very very much the same um i don't know if 
the Ray Hall cars were or not. You know, when you get into that desperation mode, sometimes you start, you know, they may have all been trying different things, just searching and, you know, trying to spread out the load. But, you know, some years we've been identical. Some years we've been a little different just for feel and comfort, confidence of the driver, you know, confidence to be able to go out and be committed to those laps is just as important as having, you know, the right setup and balance on the car. Um, you know, it, there's a lot of variables that go into that from the driver's style, but, you know, my feeling typically is that if the car is good, the car is good. And, and everyone here are high level competent drivers and we'll figure it out. Um, but sometimes, you know, different drivers need a little different feel or prefer a little something different, but my guess is they weren't all that different. And, you know, as, as hard as we work to build the cars identical, you know, you can you can have identical what you think is identical setups and cars, and there can still be variance in speed. I mean, it's we can't make them perfect, and Delara isn't perfect. You know, and the way this weekend was with the windy conditions during qualifying, you know, that can vary the speed quite a lot. Just the the luck of the winds. So there, there's so many things that go into it. But yeah, it's that's the biggest challenge is trying to make make all the cars as close as possible in speed. You start in a row with Scott McLaughlin and Kyle Kirkwood, a couple of pretty good drivers. You are right behind a row with Marcus Erickson and Will Power, pretty good drivers, and then the rookie Benjamin Peterson right in the middle of both of them just in front of you. Do you worry more at the start of the race about your row and those that are going to be beside you trying to move in, or what happens with the row directly in front of you? Um, You know, first and foremost, I worry about myself and getting off to a, a good start and timing it well. Um, you know, and, and making it through those first couple corners, you know, I don't want this to sound like a slight to Benjamin because I like Benjamin. I'll see him today at the gym. Um, he's a great kid, works his butt off and he's a good driver, but it doesn't change the fact that he's going to experience a first of his life being a part of a three wide start at Indianapolis. And I wasn't prepared for it as a rookie. No one is fully. Um, so, you know, I, I will be keeping an eye on him just because he's going to be experiencing something for the first time. And no matter how much AJ talks to him or his teammates, you know, he's not going to know what that's like until the first time. So, you know, that, that always makes me nervous when there's a a rookie there, no matter who it is. Um, So I guess to answer your question, other than worrying about my own, my own job, I I probably will be focused a little more on, on that road than mine. What is it like? I mean, if you had to describe it, what's it like? Um, I mean, it's definitely much harder when you're not on the front row just because there's so, there's so much turbulence. The The acceleration rate going down into turn one is so fast with, with you know, 12 cars in front of me, you know, 10 or so cars in front, front of the row in front of me. And, you know, you're lifting off the gas, slowing down a little bit. And even with that deceleration, you know, the car just wants to keep going. And, you know, it's, we have, you know, we'll have been on the track carb day, but Indy has a way of giving you something different. You know, even if you go out with the same car that, that we'll run on Friday, it'll, it'll, it'll feel a little different on race day um, with conditions and whatnot. So, you know, everyone's going to be feeling out their car, and, you know, you don't totally know what you have until you get through the first couple corners. So there's just a lot of unknowns. And, you know, some guys are aggressive. Some guys are way over cautious. So you just have to be prepared for everything. No different than kind of the checkup you saw 
that caused Stefan's accident yesterday. You know, anything can happen, and you, you've got to be prepared for all of it. Ed, I got two more, if you don't mind, and thank you for the time here on this Tuesday morning. Again, Ed Carpenter is with us. Uh, first one, um, the amount of passing, the you know, ease, the ease of that. Uh, how do you think that will be from, I guess, an entertainment standpoint coming up on Sunday? Uh, I think it'll be good. I mean, I think it'll be similar to more similar to last year than different. You know, we do have some more downpours at our disposal which I think will help, especially if it's a, a warm day. You know, I think it'll it'll not spread us out as much as if we didn't have the downforce. You know, I, I think you'll see, you know, the top four, five cars in a train be able to kind of race each other. As you get deeper into the pack and the draft, it, it does make it hard still just because the draft is so strong that it's it's hard to get a big enough run to overcome that draft even when a guy does make a little mistake um but i think it's gonna be a great show you know you you are gonna see a lot of maneuvering early with you know i'm sure guys are gonna be saving fuel that's just the way the race is now you know guys can't just run hard out front and not be at a disadvantage you know so that slows the pace down early and keeps the field tight um, but, it, you know, I have no doubt it's going to be an exciting show, just as we saw how exciting last year's finish was. Okay, last one. Um, not that I am anywhere near close to having the amount that I would need, because Lord knows that Pacers bet that I had would have to times by about a million for me <laughs> to yeah, even think about this. But it's something that I get asked a lot about, and I'm curious just as much as people asking me about it. How much, Ed, would it cost for Kevin Bowen and his cronies to put together a somewhat competitive back row potential package for next year's Indy 500? Um, I, maybe $750,000, $800,000 maybe would get you there. Um, it just depends on the year and, and what year what other competitions they're, you know, fighting for, for those last entries. Um, but, yeah, somewhere in that ballpark. If we, the Pacers bed did not <laughs> didn't get you that much. much. No, no. If we wanted the paint scheme to look like, um, you know, if we were like, look, we're all about champions. We want to represent champions. So, therefore, we wanted half of the car to look on the paint scheme of the logo of the 2023 Stanley Cup champions. And then the other side of it is going to be Ed Carpenter's favorite team. Oh, I thought Nelly was going to be on the other and side. And Nelly, yeah. Uh, that's on the, the, the wing. Okay. The, the the car would be designed as what two hockey clubs, Ed? Oh. Um, so I need to pick the champion and my favorite. Yep. Um, so I would go with the Colorado Avalanche as my favorite. And... I think this year it'll most likely be the Florida Panthers. Wow. Okay. But I haven't. I haven't been. I haven't been watching as much since I've been in the car. It's amazing how out of touch I've become with the world in in these couple weeks of May. By the way, great work yesterday pulling the chair out from Felix Rosenquist. <laughs> Solid on the picture. That was that was some nice seventh grade humor there. That was good. Yeah, he was he was late. I don't like being late anything um so i would be lying if i said i wasn't annoyed um and i told the guys everyone was clapping for him when he came up and i was like i'm gonna pull his chair out and i don't think anybody believed that i was gonna do it but 
too if he's a friend, and I knew he would take it the right way. Um, so we had a little fun. Well, if you drive as well as you executed that coming up on Sunday, you uh, might be in victory lane here. <laughs> That's the plan. Ed, we appreciate the time as always, and I always say uh, best of luck in carb day, best of luck in race day, but most importantly, have a safe run, all right? Sounds good. It's good talking to you guys. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. This morning. Kevin, you want a bold prediction? Ed Carpenter will rock the Band-Aid under the eye for driver introductions coming up in honor of Nelly. That would be awesome, wouldn't it? Uh, my bold prediction for you is that Within the second time that they come past me in turn number three, our next program will be at the front of the. Uh, our next guest of the program will be in the front of the field. If not on the lead lap, he will be leading by lap two. Yeah, I. Uh, if you're going to say, "All right, Kevin, predict who's going to lead lap one of the Indianapolis 500," I would probably say it is our next guest. He joins us now on the Payless Slickers Hotline. He will be making Renus VK will. Yet another start up front in the Indianapolis 500-mile race. He has been an unbelievable qualifier in terms of finding his way um, to the front after qualifying. Fourth, third, third, second now is where he has started the race. Renus, you ready to go? I'm very ready, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Now, what do you think about my prediction that you will be leading? What's the thought process? I mean, do you... You know, do you say to yourself, hey, it's go time like you and Colton Herta did two years ago? Or do you say, you know what, I'm going to kind of let the fuel come to me and hold back a little bit? Um, you know, if, if I can lead love one or two, you know, why not? But I'm definitely, um, the remainder of the race, I mean, the first 150 laps, kind of want to be sitting in second or third and just uh, save fuel. Renus, what are the biggest things you've learned from starting up front? I mean, you have really an unprecedented record here in your first couple of starts and being up in the first, really, three or four positions. Uh, what have you learned from the starts of races? Um, well, I mean, it's, um, people take it pretty easy, actually, at this race. The other drivers, uh, you know, it's a long one, and we are three wide, but quite stretched out. So the start is pretty pretty calm for me in front but i mean um yeah it's nice to be the middle one in line because i can go either in or outside if i need to yeah and that's an interesting thing because and i've always wondered about this i mean obviously you have polo to your inside you got rosenquist to the outside do 
how does it work, so to speak? Is it kind of your job to figure out which one of those you're going to kind of carry through, or does Rosenquist dive down? Do you guys have the conversation? I mean, what is the protocol? Um, we haven't yet. Well, you know, Alex is the one that actually starts the race, so he will probably have a jump. And, you know, I'm closest to him. I can dive in his slipstream. And it should be, you know, we should be kind of slotting him back to each other. Serena's VK is with us here on the Pale Zickers Hotline, obviously driving for Ed Carpenter Racing, starting second here coming up on Sunday. Renus, what's the... Um the favorite thing about this month this build up or just the race in general for you as you've experienced a couple of Indy 500s now for me the favorite thing is just uh, the history that's still around the track um, you know we all the stuff we do the the parades and everything outside of the track it's um, there's it's so much more than just the race what was your first Indy 500 memory my first Indy 500 memory, well, whenever I was a kid, my dad my dad kept showing me the video of uh, Ari Leyendijk winning two Indy 500s before I was born. So, uh, yeah, that's really where it started for me. And, you know, Ari Leyendijk, for those that don't know, the 1990-1997 winner of the race. And, you know, I, I don't know about now, Renas, but certainly in your early career, as you were transitioning kind of up through the ladder series and into IndyCar, Leyendijk was a pretty influential guy for you, was he not? Definitely, yeah. I met him um, in 2017 when I started my my um, my career in the road to Indy. And, well, yeah, you know, first I got to met him. And at one point, you know, he really started to be impressed and uh, became, we became friends. And he's helped me a lot during uh, during my whole career and gave me a lot of very good tips. Now, your last name, and we've asked you this before, but somebody asked me a very interesting question that I wanted to, to pass along to you. I think most know that VK is, and this was certainly from a broadcast standpoint, Renus, I'm appreciative of it. VK is essentially a shortened version of your surname, which is, and, and I don't want to mispronounce this as a disrespect to your family, uh, Von Komthout, is that right? Did I say it correctly? Pretty close, yeah, Von Komthout. Okay, so, you know, you go with VK to kind of Americanize, if you will, or make it easier from a broadcast standpoint. But I was asking my friend Steve Schunk, who who represents the Borg Warner Trophy, if you were to win the Indianapolis 500, would the trophy itself, with your likeness, say Renus VK or Renus Von Comptout, and again, I hope I said that correctly. And he said, actually, that is one hundred percent at the discretion and choice of the driver. You would go with which? Yeah. Um, I think I would do VK because that's how everyone sees me win the race. That's how everyone reminds or remembers me winning the race. I actually uh, had dinner with uh, Agustin Canapino yesterday, and he didn't even know that VK was not my real last name. <laughs> so, I mean. It's going to bring confusion if I actually use my 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 original name. Renus, are you still biking a lot? Um, actually, you know, I have a bike for the month here, but I haven't touched it yet because I'm afraid to fall. So, I'm running now. Oh, interesting. Are yeah. you are you running around the oval? 
Um, so I've done some running around the oval, but um, you know, one time I ran onto the track and it was a two seater there. So, I, <laughs> so I oh man, so I yeah, actually but... enjoy the golf course a lot. Running, uh, running sure. around the the Brickyard uh, golf course. Hey, I'll tell you what's interesting. Augustin Canapino, who is a rookie from Argentina, his car is, if you looked at it from above, it looks like the Argentinian flag. He drives for Junco's Holiger Racing. Um, interesting that you had dinner with him. Was that like a sponsor dinner, or is this someone that you have befriended? Because he is he is relatively new to the series, obviously. So what is your relationship with him? Yeah, it was actually in the motorhome lot. They were doing um, uh, Argentinian barbecue, and I was on my own. I asked, you have extra meats. He's like, yeah, come on. And I just uh, I brought a brought a chair, and we just had some uh, some dinner. So that's that's the nice thing about IndyCar, and uh, I think especially guys um, you know that are new to the series, especially in being new to open wheel racing, to really welcome them into the series. That's actually super cool, to be honest with you. Um, and I'm curious. If you were to do the same thing and, you know, your parents are here, so if you were in the motor lot and you decided to, to make an authentic Dutch dinner from the Netherlands, I, I don't even know, what would the dish be that, you know, what what what's, what sort of food would you be introducing him to? So, um, the name of the dish that I like a lot is Andive Stumpelt, which is um, shredded endives with uh, mashed potatoes and it's a mash so basically just throw it all together with one of my grandpa's famous uh, meatballs grandpa's famous well, meatballs sounds really good love to me that. yeah love it gosh yeah uh, they it, are very good if you don't mind could you describe a little bit more of what the you know driver lot is like this month yeah, obviously practices can reach you know into the six o'clock debriefs after that seven o'clock but you know yesterday you guys ended practice around three w- w- what goes on at night you guys hang out you guys chat what's that like um well i was um just sitting around in a motorhome and i see a pickup um reversing uh you know, like a big um, construction light into the motorhome lot. So I'm like, what's going on here? So the guys uh, built a pickleball court with tape on the ground. They got a they got a net and they needed to play at night. So they got a they got some huge lights. Um, yeah. So we were all playing pickleball. Everyone was just having fun. Gosh, okay, who's the that. who's yeah. the best and Who worst pickleball player? I think the team to beat now is. Uh, Scott McLaughlin and Colton Herta. Ooh, okay. Interesting. And then who sucks? Like, who's the one that you would be like, I do not want that guy as my pickleball partner? Um, I've seen Connor play. And to be honest, he's a great guy. <laughs> Boy. But he's not made for pickleball. Mark, we have Connor on tomorrow, right? <laughs> Don't we? Yeah. Okay. We're, no, we're going to uh, Thursday. Thursday. Okay. Thursday. We're going to have Hey, Renus. Are you, you good, Renus? Huh? Yeah, I'm good. Are you? I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, uh, Decent player, you know. I, I've done three games so far. I'm not a very, uh, you know, I'm a novice player. But uh, I mean, uh, they turn out to always go over the net and in the court, so that's uh, that's uh, okay. Well, you know, that I don't know if you still go there, but the gym where I used to see you working out a lot, especially when you first got over to the U.S. and were were getting acclimated to Indianapolis, you would you would be. We went to the same gym. And they've com- they've turned the basketball courts into strictly pickleball. So if you still belong to the gym, you can practice all you want. 
Oh, awesome. No, actually, uh, I live in Florida now. So That's what I thought. I thought uh, you weren't living here anymore. That's smart. No. So uh, they are actually in my community where I live. They are building six pickleball courts, so I can pick it up for next year. All right, Renus, last one from me. And I was curious, yesterday I sat up in, um, up in turn one. It was such a great view, and I absolutely loved it. What is the hardest turn out there on the oval? I think in the race, it's turn two. Um you always want to have a really good run out of turn two and turn four to set up a pass. But turn two, you got, um, I know it's a bit of a weird reference when you're um, trying to get down to the line because you got the, in the road course kind of, you know, you, you have like a patch of track and then, you know, it, it just looks a lot different. And that's also where most guys, you know, um, screw up in the race. Renus, last one for me. And by the way, two also has, I think, kind of a unique wind perspective because it has the lowest grandstand coming off the exit of it that air can get in and kind of circle around. But I'm not in a car, but it just feels that way. Um, if I was going to go to, and I'm strictly asking a personal question here just for my own benefit, and I apologize for that to listeners. Uh, if I was going to go to Amsterdam or the Netherlands at the end of October, um, airfare seems to be the most affordable and the last week of October like right at the beginning of November what would the weather be like is it basically the weather is the same as Indianapolis or is it warmer than here um, it would probably be like uh, around 50s and rainy and gray that's um, that's a Dutch fall so <laughs> I mean if you go to the Netherlands go to the Netherlands in June because that is the best month okay well Boy, quite the damper there, Jake. Sorry about that. Yeah. In your rain jacket. Sounded like Renus describing Connor Daly's pickleball game. Uh, Renus, good luck on Sunday, man. I know it's been a, just an incredible past couple of years for you from a qualifying standpoint. We had Ed Carpenter on earlier. Pretty confident in you guys as a race car as well coming up. You, Connor, and Ed himself. So looking forward to watching you on Sunday. Thank you very much. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time.